Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Meet Your Twitter Friends, my little side project on Dog Central. Uh, and I've got some of everyone's favorite folks from Twitter. Uh, Jeremy Attaway is the editor of dogsports.com. I've got Sarah G., uh, who is, I think, the queen of UGA Twitter. And um, and Tyler, um, Tyler Waller, who, uh, Tony Waller, golly, because you're Twitter handle is Tyler. That's what gets me. Tony Waller, who is uh, one of the co-hosts of Waiting Since Last Saturday. We were waking, waiting on Senator Lucharski, who runs the uh, Get the Picture, uh, one of the original blog blogging sites for Georgia sports and Georgia football specifically. But two things I want to sh- uh, get talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk, yes, we're going to beat the dead horse of name, image, and likeness with some professionals that actually can educate us. Um, as fans of the sport and also you know I want, i'd like for anybody to listen to this to be a little smarter afterwards and also of course we're going to talk about uh georgia football as, as fall camp is in full force right now so welcome guys thank you for coming in thanks for having us yes so okay it's been over just over a year and there's been all kinds of drama about name image and likeness a couple of things i would like to have explained to me by professional lawyers what it means with the with the nine zero Supreme Court unanimous decision, uh, Austin versus I believe the NCA, but it's known as Austin, and what that means for some sort of regulation because the NCA and college sports is begging Congress to jump in, and I just don't understand. And and I need you guys to explain to me what possibly can Congress do to regulate what private individuals on on the athlete side and private individuals on the you know the name image and likeness compensators can do so uh anyone want to jump in with that large question well i'll, I'll start off well, not, oh, if i can answer that i think everyone agrees if you saw the first half of the Trevor vanderbilt game last year that's what nine oh uh when you found Kavanaugh's uh concurrence um he he basically said i wish you would um and in, in, it was, you know, 14 pages, but, um, you know, from the big picture perspective, look, I don't, I never practiced antitrust law, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't have the, the barest knowledge about it, but it was, um, basically the Supreme Court said anyone that has had longer than two days of antitrust law would know that what you're proposing is patently illegal. Uh, or under the Sherman Antitrust Act, uh, we don't we don't decide whether or not it, there's there's some other stuff there, but it's like don't even come to us for the green card. That was that's a, the most basic layman's version you can get. I mean, that's how I understood it too. It was a complete, uh, rep, you know, you know, rebuke of everything and the infrastructure of how the NCA is operated with these uncompensated athletes who have generated massive amounts of money for a majority of of programs at at the Power Five level. Another thing to remember too, oh, sorry, Marie. But I was gonna say another thing to remember when we're talking about now with the collectives and like where the NCAA is now is how much the fighting the original with the name engine likeness really gutted the NCAA. Like obviously we have, they have a new president, all of that, they cut down the staff They've sort of, not only did it change, obviously, how we do um, name, name, image, and likeness, but it also, the NCAA is kind of like, all right, we expended so many resources fighting this fight. Part of the reason that they're also begging Congress to intervene is there's not even really a confidence within the NCAA 
both or or desire to fight to fight be the ones fighting this fight anymore they don't have the resources for it they don't want to have the resources for it they realize they are they are becoming the villain in a losing battle and so another reason that they're asking congress for that is like it would be really great if they could just pawn that off from the u.s government so that's part of the reason as well um and that's the shift that the ncaa is wanting to take they which i don't necessarily think is a bad thing but they want to kind of shift from being the police and more being the supportive of student athletes. Um, and so that's another reason that they are begging them to do something. Part of that is, I guess, what some people see of the urgency of how collectives are going to grow, but also they don't want to touch it anymore because of, as Tony just said, they got their butts handed to them on a very public scale and everyone thought it was pretty funny too. So that's got to hurt. So oh. I think their, their pride and their resources have been very depleted. After so so Ka Kavanaugh wrote the the majority the decision right the opinion rather and I just think it's funny because I think he really got some uh, recruiting and invite uh, enticements before he uh, joined the Supreme Court with some folks paying off some bills. Sorry that joke, <laughs> <laughs> little wordy, little wordy there. Um, and uh, Jeremy, actually Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion. Oh, Gorsuch, yeah. That was like this doesn't go far enough. And by the way, don't you dare bring this back up in here. Um, but it was, I, I mean, you, so you asked the question about Congress. I don't think Congress is going to do anything. Kind of, first off, if they haven't given the NFL or NBA or uh, the NHL or anyone besides baseball an interest exemption, I really don't think they're going to. So, like, in a giving mood to an organization, for my money, I think actually got exactly what they wanted, which is laid the Austin opinion as long as humanly possible to, to bank money. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people out there who say the NCAA didn't see this coming. I think they did see it coming and they realized the only recourse was to keep throwing the ball out of bounds to keep the spot going. Yeah, that's, I think Tony's got a good point there. It, this shouldn't, the decision was not a surprise, I don't think, to the folks at the NCAA. If they're, if they're having their most honest moment, um, the drift of federal, the federal judiciary and the Supreme Court especially has been more toward um, uh, you know, sort of a, a University of Chicago law and economics kind of background where uh, the fundamental presumption is that uh, if at all possible, you avoid infringing on people's right to engage in, in you know, free contracts. And so it was always going to be a hard sell for the NCAA to say, we know better than voluntary payees and voluntary payors in a situation you know, where, where people have the right to, to make their own bargain. That was always going to be difficult for them. But what it's done now, you know, I, really we're in a very unsettled kind of no man's land. As Sarah pointed out, the NCAA really doesn't know where they fit. Uh, in the firmament anymore. Um, I can also tell you from having talked to some folks that uh, a lot of schools compliance folks don't quite know where they fit uh, now because so much of their time in the past has been spent, you know, educating student athletes about avoiding a lot of entanglements, which now are, you know, selling points. <laughs> <laughs> at the schools and and so it is a really weird kind of vertigo when, when you talk to those folks now uh about what exactly they are you know, what exactly they are supposed to be doing and they also desperately want guidance 
uh, you know, on exactly how this is, is going to come about and, and you know, how it's going to evolve. So without an antitrust exemption, can Congress write a law without any sort of collective bargaining to limit any of these opportunities? Yeah, go ahead, Tony. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, Congress, yeah. I mean, Congress can carve out um, whatever they want. I mean, again, I'm not an antitrust lawyer, but I would presume it would require them amending the Sherman Antitrust Act, which they've, they've done before. I mean, that's part of what... Um, I, I don't want to speak out. I don't want to speak out league because I'm not. Again, I'm not an antitrust or a labor attorney, but um, I think you you could see a situation where they would they would carve that out. Um, I feel like they're just. Uh, it's not going to happen. I mean, if it's. I mean, no, it's not. I, like, there's. I don't not see a, a world where it could. Yeah. And also, I think you have to remember, if with anything with politics, like there's the legal aspect of it, and obviously, they're what they're much more politicians are much more concerned with the optics of everything. And I think that, you know, you can talk to whoever you want and talk about professional sports and you can have the debate of whether college is professional sport now, but there is still a look of like, oh, well, we don't want these. I mean, I've had people respond that plenty of times. Like these kids, these kids shouldn't be making this kind of, you know, these kind of amounts of money. And I'm like, if they were going straight into the NBA, if they were getting drafted baseball out of high school, they would be, but we just aren't there yet where we understand that. I mean, somebody was like, people are having trouble getting paid, you know, getting, making ends meet right now. And this kid is getting paid. And I, and I get that, but I'm also like, these are often people talking about free market. But I think part, a large part of the issue is that even if, even if people that were maybe against the name, you know, athletes not um, gaining off their name, I think politically and culturally, the optics are not something that they really want to jump on. Um, even if, even if it, even if the law makes sense, they don't really want to jump on that to get these kids paid those millions of dollars. Right? Well, well, Kirby's, you know, even our, our beloved Kirby said, you know, uh, if he'd given him $10,000 his first year, he didn't know if he'd be where he is right now. So, I mean, all these coaches are singing a little different tune last year. They would never think to speak out against it as it was coming down the pipe at the end of June last year. And now a year into it, it has been, I think, referred to, a uh, a hundred if times, if not more, is the wild, wild west. And I believe that's a, a term that um, Senator Tuberville said in his statement uh, that it is the wild, wild west and it needs to be controlled. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's going to be coming from Congress. So, I, I, you know, I think it's here to stay, despite what um, so many people have on, you know, people on podcast sure have opinions on it. But, um, you know, I, I, I just don't see it it's is i believe the market my heart and you know and again i believe that the market will correct itself i mean once yeah. if you're not getting return on your investment of let's just throw out a number for a five-star class of 30 million dollars if you're not going to get a if you're not going to return on investment on that i believe that the universities will actually go because again this is money that has to be coming out of some sort of revenue for the universities and at that point you're pitting the 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 uh overhead and and, and and the overhead for a university athletic or athletic department versus its donors. And there's only a, so much money to go around. Yeah. I think one of the more interesting, oh, as one of the more interesting cases you'll see uh, right now is out at Southern Cal where they have a fan run collective uh, called student body, right? That uh, the university is desperately trying to, to quash. Um, and part of that is because it's sort of their nightmare scenario in that, several of the largest donors and organizers of that collective are disillusioned former USC boosters. Um, you know, 
coaches, college coaches are control freaks. That that's just that's how they got to where they are uh, in the college football landscape. We're talking about people who organize their practices in four minute increments. Um, you know, even we lawyers try to do it in six minute increments with our day. Um, so, you know, those type of of hyper focused, hyper type A folks uh, now find themselves in a situation where uh, they are no longer in charge of aligning the incentives. Um, and that is scary as heck for them. Um, yeah, you've kind of heard that as, as sort of the undercurrent in this is that with a lot of these fan run collectives, they can't really control who is, who is getting incentivized for what. Um, you know, I think at some point here pretty soon, uh, frankly, we're going to start seeing some, some litigation. There are going to be some lawsuits where uh, players say that they did not get what they were promised. Um, and they start, you know, uh, through the discovery process and through pleadings, saying what they were promised uh, and by whom and what for. Uh, and that's going to get really, really interesting. Um, you know, we're, we're, frankly, at some point, we're probably going to start hearing you know, the old Miami-style headhunting you know, deal where we're going to find that players were told, you know, there's money in it for you. If you, you know, take this guy out or if you do this, you do that, um, you do things that are, that are outside the scope necessarily of their playing. Um, uh, You know, it's going to happen. And that I think is what the coaches are are probably most terrified of at this point. And Jeremy, I agree with you. Um, I also think water is going to find its level. I think, Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just my opinion, but there's nothing that college football fans love more than being chicken little. And like this sport has ended, like there is an article written in 19, I think it was like 1910 about like how college football now is like way too commercialized and like, it's no longer an amateur sport. Like there's a paper, there's a newspaper article. So like, that's a very common thing. So I, I feel that water is going to find its level. However, I think it's going to be really as someone who loves that kind of drama, I'm just going to be honest. Like, this is my reality television. It's not the Kardashians. It's, like, dumb stuff like this. I'm going to love that. Like, I'm going to love, like, college coaches saying stuff like that. Law- stupid lawsuits getting filed. Some We hear about some. I mean, the Florida Collective is already going to be a nightmare, and I love it. So I personally thrive on that kind of thing. As someone who loves dumb stuff on Twitter, I'm really excited for it. But some people, that scares them. But I think it's going to be fun. But I do agree. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of offshoots while this settles down a little bit. Um, but I do think eventually water will find its level. And like you were saying, Josh, like market will correct itself. I mean, it does with coaches. Like there's coaches that get paid and you're like, that guy doesn't deserve that. And he doesn't last very long. Like I think that that stuff's going to start to correct itself a little bit. Yeah. Well, well the part about it is, um, you, you know, I, I, I think if uh, there are there are people who would say that um, the, the nature of college football is changing, right? And I, I think you have to separate. A lot of people want to tie together the TV contract, and the, the expansions or the rise of TV for conference, whatever it is, to NIL. I think they're two different things. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Sarah. I mean, for the last 100 years, helmets, the forward pass, conferences, scholarships, uh, the lack of the forward pass, um, Bud Wilkinson, yeah. uh, Miami, uh, play clocks running too fast, fake injuries, conference expansion, conference play, a, a second round of playoffs, they were all going to kill the college game. Um, and, and look, I don't, 
I don't put it past um, I don't put it past the NCAA and the member institutions of trying to milk every sec every dollar out of this and change the character of it. I say that working for one of the member institutions, right? Uh, but you're also right that I I I like watching Miami of Ohio play Northern Michigan on a Thursday night. I wouldn't say I like it as much as watching the Iron Bowl, but I like it just as much as I like you know, a, a random Big Ten game or anything else because there's there's inherently, the, the whether it's the tribalism or anything else, there's something special about college football. And frankly, that the something special about college football, Josh, to kind of loop us back to your original question, I, I don't, I really don't know what Congress could give them a special exception on. I mean, an antitrust exception on. Because they have to lay out something to say it's a unique character about it in order to give it. As baseball was like, the unique nature of America's pastime they should not ask for that argument. Uh, but the that's it, baseball is such a unique part and interwoven in American society that it's our interest exemption. That, that was essentially the argument the NCAA was making. It's like these are student athletes. The lack of professionalism is what makes it special. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the, the Supreme Court, along with uh, I believe it was the Seventh Circuit or the Ninth Circuit, whatever it came out of, were like, yeah, no, we're not buying that. And so much to the point where Kavanaugh literally said i wish you would try so well that is awesome let's put a bow on that thank you guys for your opinion but let's pivot to some actual football talk um uh, i know you guys are all diehard georgia fans well, i know just a little bit about yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so i've got some different questions that are on here the first one is okay uh you know kirby is a very protective of what he shows um, the media and the access he allows his coaches and players. So if as a Georgia fan, if I gave you one day to be a part of uh, the practice and you could get with one position group or watch one drill or watch one thing and you're allowed to report on it, what would you bring us back? Offensive line. All right. So anything specific? Like I, just the rotation. Right guard. Um, yeah. I, I mean, just I mean, just the rotation, right? I mean, I think you, I, I think we'll get to see plenty of tight ends and plenty of running backs, <laughs> and we know who the quarterback's going to be. Um, but a lot of what we're going to be able to accomplish, if we're going to be able to hide Stetson's uh, game manager abilities, we're going to have to have a decent offensive line. You know, if if we're going to be in a position where Stetson is just going to stay out of the way and let football games. The offensive line is going to have to be really good. Yeah. I guess, by the way, I didn't turn my sarcasm font on. I'm sorry, but no, it's quite all right. I would ask that if you were is like tell me about Amarius Mims if he's going to be a contributor, which falls in line there. Um, and if I believe if he's a, a a contributor and plays a lot of snaps and, and earns a spot, then I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. All right, Sarah, what are you bringing us back from your um, your day on? between the hedges um i guess a combination of things i guess i'm i'm copying out but um i mean we do know who the quarterback's gonna be so we know that um do we know i don't know how you would get this from practice but maybe how many reps is everyone else taking what is the offense gonna kind of like yeah how are we running the offense and what that long-term trajectory looks like you know do we get a sense that we know who the quarterback, how the games are going to start. Do we know how the games are going to go in terms of quarterback management and flow and or sort of that sense of what, how much waiting in the wings is there? Is there at all? There might not be at all. Um, and just sort of the sense of how much is anyone else involved in practice, I guess, with the first team. 
So you want to know who quarterback two is? is yes, that's what I'd like to know. But I, I swear, if you snip at this so that people yell at me, I'm going to be really upset. So just don't put that part as much of any of this. I just, I just said that she thinks there should be another quarterback. Yeah, if you just tweet at me about that, I'm going to kill you. They already hate me. Please don't do that. Did I misinterpret that? <laughs> well, to, if it's any consolation there, you you took what was going to be my answer, and Tony took what was going to be my backup answer because I was worried somebody was going to take my answer. Uh, so my third string answer, which you know I think is sort of interesting, is is going to be the defensive back rotation because I really am a little bit concerned. You know, Keely Ringo, we know what we have in him. Uh, you know, a good player, reliable, all around all-american caliber player um i still don't know exactly what we have on the other side of, of him at corner because uh, we've got some guys you know javon bullard for example played pretty well um in sort of a reserve role last year um but we really don't you know we really don't know exactly how all the pieces are gonna fit together in that secondary um we know you know what Stetson Bennett's limitations are. As Tony said, you know, the offensive line is going to be a big deal because Stetson Bennett, as we learned, occasionally he has what, what you might call a statistically high variance moment um, where he, he does something that's either really exceptional or he does something that, that we all just collectively groan about. Um, and, you know, that happened with him in 2021 when, you know, the protection broke down. Um, and so, you know, I think for Georgia to be successful offensively, uh, as Tony talked about, you know, sort of limiting Stetson Bennett from having those moments. Um, and so the offensive line is going to be a big deal in terms of, of that. But ultimately, we're, you know, we kind of know what we got in Stetson Bennett, and we kind of know what Todd Munkin is going gonna, is gonna to want to do. Um, we don't really know what we're going to get out of Stacey Searles. Um, that's, that's the thing that sort of worries me, um, you know, as a Bulldog fan, uh, and as a longtime observer of SEC and ACC football, I've seen coach Cyril's coach some really good offensive lines. I've also seen him coach some really mediocre offensive lines. Um, and, uh, you know, when you have guys like Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Pran Granger, that's a good start. Um, and he's certainly got a good bit of depth, but you know, that being, being said, we don't really exactly know, you know, how much of that, that depth is really going to come to the fore with this group. And we're really, you know, only one or two injuries away from, from some serious questions there. Well, can I add, can I add a one A, Josh, if you don't mind? By all means. I, I definitely want to see the second oldest player behind Stetson Bennett, Brett Thorson, kicking a football <laughs> You're baiting me so much, Tony. I, I can't. Well, well, I'm actually frankly disappointed you didn't start there. Well, well, you know, actually, he actually talked about it in the post-game presser yesterday. I don't know if you got a chance to check it out. He said, you know, he immediately said, we don't have a Jake Camarda back here anymore. So we're going to – he mentioned having to get more hang time and, and get better in coverage. So, uh, it, it's it, you know, I said that. Somebody in, on Twitter asked what's going to be one of the, the, the player we're going to miss the most, and I – Half jokingly said Camarda because he was I, yes. great. I loved Camarda, and he was. I mean, people do not. This was down to our defense, but I think this was working again. People don't talk about how amazing our starting field position was last year, and like how crucial that was for us winning a national championship. I mean, defense with a good punt. I mean, it was 
that was really important. So I am all on the Carmel train. All right. So my my if I could go in there, obviously I'm just selling product at this point because I definitely would go into the tight end room. Um, and it's it's the low hanging fruit. But I am genuinely I have you know, I've heard it a lot, you know, James Cook was so special and so electric and so explosive last year out of, you know, he could start, obviously he came out of the backfield a lot, but so many of those plays out wide, both in 2020 and, in, and last year, I just want to see if we know what, we kind of know what Eric Gilbert is and we know uh, what Darnell is. And I just, but, and we've seen an awesome year. I don't think we've seen all of Brock Bowers and I believe that he can play and could line up in that true H-back spot in the backfield and really, really, like, because, you know, a couple of those plays he had last year were, were modified swing, you know, sw- you know, swing passes, which, you know, if he lines up out there and chips somebody and goes out, it's just going to be that's, – that's definitely what I'd like to see is, like, Monken is definitely going to expand what he can do uh, offensively. So, those are I my- agree with that. I think – I agree with that 100%. I, I, maybe I'm just too much of a fangirl. But I legitimately think we don't know everything that we've seen. Like, we no, I totally agree. Yeah. I don't think we've seen everything. Oh, yeah. No, I I, I, he's, we just haven't seen him healthy. We've seen what he can do. And we just haven't seen him do it in five or six straight games at, at an elite level. Which I'm really do. hoping that Darnell, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like one of those old school high school coaches that just talks about them boys. But like on the sideline, when you see him next to everyone else, it's stupid. Like it's just the dumbest thing you've ever seen. It's like we have LeBron James just standing there about to play tight end. So I think Darnell's going to have a big year this year. That's my decision. All right. If you've got a couple extra minutes, is there anything we're too focused on as, as UGA Twitter this preseason? And is there anything we're not focusing on enough? I guess you guys kind of talked about on that, but is there, it, it, uh, opening the floor to anything just sort of pet peeves you might have uh, going into the rest of fall camp as we wind down the preseason. Listen, we won the national championship, guys. Who cares if somebody thinks Stetson's going to be bad? Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Because either – either, 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 Look, Monken, Monken was paid a lot more money – and I think, and, and, you know, there are people out there that would say it was all monkey, and I'm willing to be in that camp. But, guys, stop. You sound like God, you sound like Tennessee fans. Stop. We won a championship. We don't have to, like, rush in and Twitter shame everybody that says anything uh, bad about Georgia. Either we go out there and go go 12-0 and 0 and, and whatever happens after that happens, or, or we don't. But I don't think we're going to be in a moment this season where – you know, we were like, God, what happened? We're eight and four, and it's like at Ogeron. We're not in that situation. I'm sorry. Uh, I that, you were asking asthmatic. But no, that's exactly – that's a 100% what I wanted to hear is your pet peeve really would have been a better – better because that's how I've been this whole – it's like you can say anything you want to me. We won. I just don't care. I do not so, care. Yeah. can't fix it. I don't care. I don't want to steal again from Jeremy, but I'm going to. I am too. Um, I think we're focusing too much on like how many people left our defense. Like again, we want first of all, we want a national championship. So we're also not we didn't our defense didn't get gutted like 2019 LSU off. So just okay. And also, I guess not stealing answer, we won a national championship. I would have Kirby run every defense I've ever had and not be worried about it. So I I'm not worried about it. So 
I think we don't need to focus on that. I think when we watched that draft and we watched that combine, you were like, holy crap. All I could think when I watched the combine was, thank God we won a national championship. Because yeah. I would not have made it mentally intact watching that talent that we had if we had not won. So we did and we can do it again and it's going to be fine and it's going to be a great year. For sure. I, I, I pulled up my little cheat sheet of stats, Sarah. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys with at least 150 snaps and PFF grades of 70 plus coming back on defense. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We have the, and so yes, to your point, these guys have been waiting for their time to shine. They did. We didn't, we lost a couple guys to the portal. Latavius Brini went to Arkansas. Um, but that defense, those guys believe in it. They're bought in. And I think they're, they're I mean, they're not going to allow, you know, 10.8 yard uh, points per game, but I mean, hell, they if they're they're gonna, it's not gonna be over fifteen a game. I mean, it's just gonna be just awesome. Jeremy, take us out of here. What's your pet peeve? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah, you correctly guessed what mine was, which was gonna be people freaking out about Georgia giving up sixteen point two points a game rather than ten point eight, and me <laughs> saying, "Do you honestly think that Arik Gilbert, another year of Brock Bowers, and?" the rest of that receiver rotation is not worth 5.8 points a game, um, right? Um, that's something that we're going to see is, you know, a lot of national commentators saying, oh, this is not the Georgia defense of 2021. Who cares? Yeah, doesn't nobody is. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't need to be. It's it's still going to be, a you know, a top five defense. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that's that really is going to be an issue. The other one for me, 1B, again, has to be Stetson Bennett. And in part of it is just the fact that I'm talked out about, you know, Stetson Bennett's abilities and limitations. Look, we, we know we know what Stetson Bennett is. He, you know, he, he is a gamer with a very good arm, not an NFL arm. Uh, you know, he has good legs. He doesn't have elite. You know, taller, really, taller than Bryce Young. Yeah, he's, he's, he's tall enough, but he's, you know, he's not going to win the combine. He, he is what he is at this point. And He's going to do some stupid things. Um, th that's just, it's going to happen. Uh, and people are going to be upset about that. Um, and, and that's fine. Uh, but they, they just really need to learn uh, that at this point, he, he is what he is. And, and what he is, is in fact, a very efficient quarterback. Uh, you know, if you give him the time to deliver the ball, you know, he's, he's a guy who makes the reads. Um, you know, he, he does plenty for for this georgia team to go back to the sec championship um and yeah spoiler alert my prediction for the sec get squashed by an alabama team uh that's going to be really really good this year uh you know and that's fine um uh, doesn't matter you know still, still got a ring don't care um yeah, yeah florida, i'm fine Keep florida yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely doesn't bother me you know let let them you know, let them have their their turn. Uh, that's great. We'll we'll get them again. Uh, you know, uh, Kirby Smart has built something that you know I'm not worried about us having missed our chance because we cashed in. Uh, you know, when when we needed to. So I'm good with it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so very much for spending a little bit of time with us. Hopefully, you you guys are a little smarter on the name, image, likeness, and I think you guys are brought up some pretty awesome points on on Georgia football. So uh, with that, please. Follow Sarah G fifteen sixty one on Twitter, Tyler at Tyler Dog Den, and follow and 
please, if you're not already subscribed to his podcast, Waiting Since Last Saturday, it's must listen to for any Georgia fan. And last but not least, Jeremy Attaway is the editor at dogsports.com, and you can follow him at dogsports on the Twitter. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, in a couple, in a few more weeks, we're playing some football. So with that, go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.